I just typed in, here's the top 100 overused business cliches. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, man, here's uh, thinking outside the box. Oh, my God, dude. Win-win situation. Oh. Best practices. Oh, my God. Synergy. Oh, no. Synergy. Here's here's one that, that uh, I don't think I ever heard anyone say because even... No, I can imagine some of the people where we used to work would say it. Yeah. Paradigm shift. <laughs> yes. Low, oh, yes. Low-hanging fruit. Push the envelope. Mm. Value-added proposition. Good God. <laughs> Core competency. A leading provider of... Oh my god. That's what we used to talk about. We're leading provider of telecom or data yeah. services or Man, uh, you know that the previous one, it's only one word away from value added segment. <laughs> <laughs> we should do that. Right, it's time for our value added proposition. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are The Minimalists. Welcome to episode 119. Today, we're going to talk about decorations. Decorations. We're sitting in our new studio right now, heavily decorated. <laughs> with sound panels. Yeah, it's funny because we are going to do uh, a video version of, of this podcast eventually, once we get enough Patreon supporters uh, to get all the, the video equipment. But uh, it's one of the things that, that we've been thinking about. We've been talking to, to Matt, uh, the, the, the director of our documentary. We've been talking to podcast Sean, who's here with us today, and trying to figure out, like, well, what's... I mean, obviously, this office has the appropriate, appropriate aesthetic for us right now, mm-hmm. and, but... How do you, uh, and, uh, right now we're just waiting, we're supposed to have this light installed yesterday, I'm pointing up at the ceiling for those of you listening to this, um, and it just didn't work because we need some other brackets and I need to hire an electrician and all kinds of crazy stuff to make wow. this happen. But point being is I think the lighting will be the last thing that really adds the, the last aesthetic, but it's it's aggressively simple in here, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it's you know these these matte gray walls with black sound panels. It's beautiful, man. Yeah, and you don't really don't want to muck it up. I look at some sets now of different podcasts or different uh, TV shows and I'm wondering like why did they just have a random bookshelf there? Uh, in fact, th- th- that was an idea Matt had. He sent to me. He's like, maybe there should be a bookshelf. And so I sent him like pictures of ridiculous bookshelves. Like people have randomly people put like a basketball or a football on their bookshelf. And I'm like, wait a minute. Who puts a basketball on a bookshelf? It's a metaphor, Josh. For dribbling your dreams i don't know dude <laughs> that's pithy sean put that in the show notes <laughs> dribble your dreams <laughs> ryan Nic- make sure that's a ryan nicodemus <sighs> quote not the minimalists no man i love our studio i mean the i guess you could say that each sound panel is like its own work of art and you know what in some like in some modern museum dude like this 
and I have actually seen that before where it's like yeah. <laughs> just some black or white panels in a row and that's it. Yeah, I, there was the, did you see the, the guy, it was either a LACMA, I was at LACMA uh, this past week and it was, it was great, but I, I think it may have been LACMA or it could have been the MoMA or the San Francisco MoMA. There was a guy who went into one of the, the empty rooms where they're, they were switching out the, the uh, current display or, or, or whatever was supposed to be on display in that room. So there was nothing in that room. And he walked in there and he just took his eyeglasses off, set it in the middle of the floor, mm-hmm. and they just started standing around it, looking down and like and like rubbing his chin. And then he started taking photos. And this crowd of people started congregating around him yeah. so that they, could, they too could look at this artwork that was on the floor, and so, and and I think we'll actually be talking about this today because I think art is part of decorating of a house. And how do we determine what is art, what isn't art, and, and sort of art may be in the eye of the beholder. But I think you're right, right? You look at some of these sound panels, and and they are art to a certain extent. When you go to museums, part of the art there is the soundscaping, the sound mm-hmm. design of a place. Bex and I were eating a, 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 a breakfast at a a, a local restaurant uh, here in L.A and this past weekend and we i I commented to her like the sound design in this place is great because it was a big open space but it sounded similar to this so you could tell i mean they probably spent hundreds of thousands of dollars just on the sound of this place wow and 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 having the appropriate acoustics in there because it sounded like you were in a sound booth even though it was wide open and so I think that's part of art as well, is what does the place sound like? And when you go to a museum or when you go to a home, it has a particular sound to it. Mm. And they may try to affect a particular kind of echo. Uh, there's a podcast to listen to called 99% Invisible. They, they talk about, uh, sometimes they talk about sound design, uh, whether you're in a cathedral. You want you want a cathedral to sound like a cathedral. You don't want a cathedral to sound like a, a mic booth because right. that would be really weird. Mm. We were on tour <laughs> last year. I, we, we went to uh, Grand Rapids. And there was just new, beautiful uh, theater that had just opened up. You remember this? And I, rem- yeah. I remember walking in there, and um, I was like, "Uh oh!" Like I was talking to you, and there was there was very little reverb. Like they had designed it really well, and I was talking to some of the folks who work there, and they were like, "Man." Uh, I was just telling them, like, the sound is really great, but now I'm actually kind of worried because you want a little bit of reverb. You want the laughter. If if you tell a joke, you want that to reverberate. It makes other people laugh, and they feel like they're in that environment. Mm -hmm. And they were saying that some musicians, especially, like, acoustic kind of musicians, love this space because acoustically it was gorgeous. Mm -hmm. But when they got, like, heavy rock bands in there, sometimes that sucks the energy out of the room. Right. And so part of decoration, we we think when we say decorations, we think of the visual side of things. And I think that's what we'll be talking about most today. But but there are other senses that we that we try to um, fulfill. You know, the the, who was it? Was it uh, Aristotle or or, yeah, I think it was Aristotle um, who said there were five senses, right? The touch and and taste and smell and and the, Sight, the visual hearing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but but physicists now believe that there are something like between 22 and 32 different senses right like the sense of balance and and uh and like literally balance like to keep me from not falling out of this chair mm-hmm. uh which would be possible um if all of a sudden the room started spinning in my head right i could fall out of the chair but but that that is a sense of uh b- 
balance isn't just a literal balance, but like when you come into a room like this, like it feels balanced because I'm looking at all the the sound panels here, right? And, and it's you know, evenly spaced, and, and you get a a sense of symmetry, or maybe there's an intentional sense of asymmetry. And when we talk about decorating, I think we we're 99% focused on the visual, but what about the other the other side of things? How does how does uh, the decorations? How do they make you feel? That's the kinesthetic mm. feeling. How does it sound when you walk into a home or a museum or into a studio space? Uh, oh, what's what's the acoustic or the sound design? And, and and then how does it make you feel sort of internally? Like when I walk into the space, do I feel calm? Do I feel frenetic? Do I feel anxious? Do I feel soothed? Do I feel meditative? There, uh, I can think of when you go to a few airports now. Uh, I think uh, L.A. There's a or that San Francisco. There's a yoga room. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, not L.A. Although I think maybe in one of the the terminals in L.A. there is a meditation room or yoga room. That does not surprise me at all. The, the airport that I know of that has had a meditation room for the longest time. And I bet you've never been in it. I've never been in it. Hmm. I've been in the airport a bunch, the Dayton International Airport. Oh, that's awesome. I had no idea. There's a meditation room. It just kind of looks like a prayer room, but it's it's really small and it's not past the gate, the, the gate, so it's a weird place to have it. But if you just want to go meditate, that was the first place I've ever seen that had just a meditation that's room. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and so so there are, we talk about the, the way a space makes us feel. We set up a space so that we, ideally, we should set up a space so we get a particular feeling i have never been space. like a believer well not even a believer as much as i just don't know anything about feng shui mm -hmm. but like having these conversations the way i felt after the packing party the way i felt like the first time i sat on my couch and like there wasn't all these uh just all this clutter distracting me from from focusing mm. like absolutely had a completely different internal feeling. I, I need to read more. Have you have you ever read anything on feng shui? Like, do you just a little bit? You dug I had, into that. I had someone send us a book uh, once about it, and she had just written about it. And I think you have to be ready ready for that. Like, in, in in fact, right now could be a really good time for me because we just moved into a new apartment you know, a few months ago, a couple months ago, and uh, have been trying to very slowly populate it with the right you know, decor, for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. right? Uh, uh, because aesthetics are important to me, but they shouldn't be the the most important thing. You don't you don't want to build a facade around a crumbling house. Is feng shui feng feng shui? Yes. Say that five times fast. Is feng shui? There's like a like a spiritual element element to it, right? The, 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 Is that correct? There can be the same way there can be with respect to meditation. Oh, okay. So meditation. In and so of, it's not that's not like. It's not built around a spiritual belief. Well, meditation originally was, right? Oh, okay. And so you know, when you think of, uh, of either Hindu or, or Buddhist meditation, yeah. um, it, it is built around a, a set of, of spiritual or religious beliefs. However, you can tweeze it out of that context, just like you can with feng shui. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not a religious connotation with feng shui that I'm aware of, but but there is a you know, sort of spiritual alignment side of things. Gotcha. And so, yeah, if anyone has any resources for us, if, if you have a good recommendation for a, a website or a book to read about feng shui, just hit us up on on Twitter, at The Minimalists. Uh, we'll be happy to hear about that. And in fact, I know uh, last week we mentioned that we might be talking a little bit this 
this week about how the minimalists are using social media in 2018. I think we're going to save that for next week. I think uh, it'd probably be most appropriate instead of trying to cram that into a decorations episode, do a separate episode just about social media. And so if you've got uh, questions about that, we'll reach out to you on social media. But in the meantime, if you want to check out an essay, Sean's actually editing it today, but by the time this podcast episode comes out, it will be up there. It's called How the Minimalists Are Using Social Media in 2018. So just uh, a brief overview with that. Ryan and I took the month of January 2018 off of social media. We deleted all of our tweets and Instagram posts and went silent on Pinterest and, and Facebook and and just sort of stepped back and learned some lessons, uh, unlearned some bad habits, I think. And uh, I think we, we just will spend maybe a whole episode, a shorter episode talking about that, maybe answering some questions about social media as well. That way we don't have to try to cram that into, into this episode. So Ryan, you were talking about decorating style and, and feng shui and, and then, of course, uh, sort of the accidental feng shui of doing the packing party. And then, uh, in fact, the, the, the chapter in our book, Everything That Remains, that covers the, the packing party or it's the aftermath of the packing party, so to speak, right. is called <laughs> The Sound of Minimalism. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I really think that's, that's kind of what it was, is like you waking up and realizing like, okay, I have to unpack my couch because you literally packed up everything as if you were moving and then mm-hmm. spent... Yeah, the next three weeks unpacking. So for day one, you're like, okay, I need my couch. I'm going to unpack that, take the the sheet off of it. And then you you sit down you're like, oh, like all of this, this excess that I didn't question before. Now I'm questioning it because like it's, it's not there. Mm. And it literally sounds different in the home. But in addition to the sounding different, it feels different to you. Uh, uh, You don't have all of this sort of these items on your periphery. You don't have the clutter in front of you. Mm -hmm. And uh, what kind of feelings do you, do you feel like that that you, you were experiencing at first when, when you had be, when you began letting go? Yeah. As I said earlier, um, it was, it was less distracting. That was like the biggest, that was the biggest thing I noticed. Um, You're not a very anxious person for me. No, not at all. I noticed, I I noticed a reduction in anxiety. Oh yeah. No, for me, it's like, well, I guess maybe it was anxiety. I'm not an anxious person. I would not have described the feeling of less distraction as being less anxious, but I mean, I certainly could feel that way, but it, it was just easier to concentrate. It was easier to, um, you know, if I'm, cause I, I sat down on my couch, um, put my laptop on the coffee table right? and I'm sitting there working on my laptop. For those of you listening at home, Ryan's mimicking. I'm mimicking. <laughs> yes. And, um, I had not unpacked my TV at that point. Um, so just sitting there with my laptop and then uh, the coffee table I could see across, like it was just not having the, the other screen in front of the, the screen I was looking at Yeah, was like this automatic sense of, um, of just being able to concentrate more, even if the TV was off. It's, right. it's really weird, man. Um, other feelings, man, I don't know. Um, I would love to sit here and be like, oh man, I was so clear. Clarity, man. <laughs> <laughs> I guess in a way it, it was clarity just in the sense of, I was realizing that my mind was filled with a lot of uh, just a, a, a lot of clutter that was in direct relation to the physical clutter I had. Yeah, it, it, it spawns this and, and, and not just spawns, but but fuels this internal clutter, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, like after I got rid of, you know, 80% of my stuff, like I just remember, you know, not having to think about 
um, that storage closet that I had. That I and there was always this like one day I'm going to go through that storage closet and I'm going to like get rid of the stuff I don't need, keep the stuff I want. So the packing party forced me to confront all that stuff. Yeah, and I, I guess I just didn't realize how having that storage closet cleared out, like taking the action and actually doing it, um, how great of a feeling that was. But then also not having that weighing on my mind at all. It's not like, like, dude, I never, it's not like I, I got home every single day from work and I was like, got to clean out that storage closet one day. Got to, like, I never thought of it like that. It was always right. something that I would just keep procrastinating. It was simmering way, way yeah. on, on the 17th back burner. Right. Like a, like a total, like not even, didn't even realize it was on my radar, but once it was gone, I was like, oh wow, like it feels good to not have that to to procrastinate anymore yeah you, f- you feel a weight lifted in a way and i when i when i think about you clearing out that house and 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 reducing for me what what it would be anxiety for you is just uh it's it's clearing that internal clutter and, and and i don't think we often associate the two we 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 imagine that like we have this robust interior life and that is completely separate somehow from our exterior life mm-hmm. But of course, we know that that isn't true. Uh, it can be separate uh, to a certain extent. You can have the most perfect house and all the perfect decorations and, and have everything neatly organized in an ordinal alphabetized system and still be miserable inside. Mm. Um, and the opposite's also true. You can live amongst a whole bunch of trash heap of clutter and have some sort of, sort of internal peace, but it's harder to do that. Mm-hmm. And so there tends to be a congruency with what's going on outside with the the decor of our lives, the aesthetics of our lives. I think back to, uh, I heard some Rob Bell say something about, um, he was talking about how the importance of aesthetics. Like we often discount aesthetics because um, uh, we, especially for someone like me or you, we, we try to avoid you know mass consumption or consumerism. And, and part of that is like, well, look at the shiny thing I bought. That's not necessarily aesthetics though. Bees are attracted to flowers mm-hmm. because they're beautiful. That's why they're beautiful. It's to attract the bees, right? And, and I think it, the same can be true with our homes. We can, we can make our home beautiful without all the excess stuff. And attract bees. I see exactly where you're going with <laughs> That's this. That's right. <laughs> I, I mean, ultimately, at, at the end of the day. At the end of the day. I just want to be a beekeeper. <laughs> all right, let's get into these voicemails. <laughs> Ryan and I are laughing right now because we just we accidentally recorded a, a Patreon bonus episode. Sean, we got to either put that at the beginning of this if it works out somehow or just make it a separate five minute patreon bonus episode we were reading a list of all the corporate jargon that we had to go through back in our corporate days <laughs> it, uh, was, it, was, it was pretty funny. the list of the hundred uh most overused vapid trite corporatisms is, is the way i would call uh identify them and at the end of the day it was on the list which is something i still have not been able to stop using ryan has shed 99 of the top 100 <laughs> that's right i still use that one he's clinging at the end of the day is my um at the end of the day, you're right. <laughs> All right, uh, you know we, we do have some questions. We should probably we should probably dive into those. So, um, oh, I wrote this thing down. Actually, it's probably something that's better. It's more appropriate for one of these these questions here. Chloe from Texas has a question. As an artist and as a musician, but also as a minimalist, I try to build an environment that's conducive to creativity without being cluttered or overwhelming. However, there are certain 
beautiful objects, I suppose most obviously um, pieces of art, that serve no functional purpose, but that I feel make up the environment that I am most comfortable in. So in functional minimalism, do you believe that there's a space for aestheticism, or am I putting too much stock, too much value into these objects by keeping them around under the notion that they are necessary for me to create? She talked about the the functional purpose, like like having beautiful objects without a functional purpose. And I think she worded that really well because uh, what I would say is functional purpose isn't always the only purpose. When you and I talk about adding value, we talk about serving a purpose, a functional purpose, mm-hmm. being useful in some way, or bringing you joy. I think that's a different type of purpose. It's not a direct function. It's like, well, I own a can opener because I want to open cans. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different. It's uh, you might, It might be owning a piece of art that goes on the wall. And, and for me, art is different. Uh, she, she talked about the beautiful objects. And, and I like to expand the definition of art because when we, we hear the term art, we think of like a painting that's on the wall that's the first thing that comes to my mind is like you see the picasso at the you know brood museum or or, or wherever uh broad museum uh and uh or or you you see uh you see maybe a sculpture that is is art but i think of everyday objects as art as well i I don't know how you feel about that but for me uh, i don't own a whole lot of things in fact uh we were doing a mold test in my house, uh, in my new apartment yesterday because uh, I'd mentioned last week that I'd been sick for like six of the last eight weeks. And hopefully it's just flu season and it was just a total coincidence, but I, I wanted to rule it out. So I brought this uh, this guy o- over to do this really comprehensive mold test. And he walks in and he's like, where's all your stuff? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the funny thing is we actually were still waiting on a couch to show up. Um, so we have this like, really cheap loner couch they gave us it looks like something from a porn set um <laughs> and uh, uh he, he walks in he's like where's all your stuff and i'm like I, he, i'm You're like, like are you the handyman <laughs> sit over here i'll tell you i just sit on the couch <laughs> sit on this couch <laughs> bex can you grab him some lemonade <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no so um i'm, I'm thinking about uh uh, he, he, well, he walked in and, and he's like, where's all your stuff? And I'm like, oh, I'm a minimalist. He goes, I saw a documentary about that. That's great, man. He goes, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you look familiar. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we uh, uh, we were talking about like the, the we got to just talking about the, the beauty of certain items. Like I have a, like a little, I guess you call it a media console or credenza or something. And to me, that is a piece of art. I don't hang a lot of stuff on my walls. I think we have three photographs in the house. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not to say that I won't ever put anything on the wall or whatever I see. But but my my rule, and I mentioned this on on last week's collections uh, episode, my rule is I don't need anything on the walls to be complete. Mm -hmm. And thus, if I decide to add something, it's because it will serve some sort of purpose. Now, it may not be, as Chloe asked here, it may not be a functional purpose. I can't take the picture off the wall and use it as a can opener. Although, patent <laughs> pending. pending. Oh. <laughs> oh, I think we both own the patent we'll, on that We'll have one. to go back to the replay on that to see who <laughs> got to it first. Um, uh, so I think that, I think that no, it doesn't have to be functional. In fact, it's great when it can be. I, I own a few chairs, um, or at least one chair from, from Herman Miller. And uh, 
it's a piece of art. I mean, it looks to me, it looks like a sculpture. It's also pretty comfortable. I, I, I enjoy looking at it. And so it's this aesthetic beauty and I don't have to hang it on the wall, although you could, it's so beautiful. Um, and, and that is, that is a, a, a piece of art that is in my home. And, and some people may or may not call it art. And, and the, the thing that she asked about Ryan was, um, she used the word aestheticism. And it, at first it sounded like she said, asceticism um and w- <laughs> that which, is not what we're <laughs> we're promoting <laughs> no i mean but they are sort of the the exact opposite right. in a way right yeah. because uh, uh, aesthetics are like the natural beauty of the space and mm-hmm. and uh, a person who is an ascetic is a person who intentionally deprives themselves sort of of the aesthetics and of everything else beyond the the aesthetics and i actually prefer the aesthetic side of things that said i have to be really careful uh, we've we've been really slow about populating our space with the appropriate items and, and when i say appropriate i mean appropriate for me and for bex and, and for ella you know we got ella uh, a new bed and little nightstand and there's a rocking chair in her room because Bex likes to you know, rock her to sleep or actually it's Bex doesn't like it. Ella likes to be rocked to sleep every night. And, and so there are things, and she has a, you know, a dresser there that looks relatively good. The dresser's from Ikea and Ikea does a, a decent job of, of creating aesthetically pleasing items that are a freaking nightmare to put together. Have you seen that article about um couple? I, it's, I think there's a, Man, let's see if we can find this real quick, Ryan. There, I, I saw either a blog or an article about couples having fights in IKEA. Having <laughs> fights in IKEA. Like that's where the majority of couples' fights happen. I no, but I do remember you and Carrie uh, moving into your huge house, and you bought a bunch of IKEA furniture. Oh, and you and I were God. putting it together, and it took us so long to just do like a couple things. We were like, "This is stupid." We're gonna we're gonna hire a handyman <laughs> to do this. So you so Carrie called, hired a handyman who came out, put together like half of a bed, and then literally just walked out and quit. Yeah, he literally <laughs> left. <laughs> Putting he was just he got so frustrated, <laughs> like we did, and he yeah. just quit. Dude, I, that's unbelievable. <laughs> this is uh, I if he's still in business. I I hope not. <laughs> I I hope he suffered. Oh my goodness! Uh, no, it, it was really it was miserable for me because it, there was half a bed put together in my bedroom, uh, and yeah. and we, how old was I? Twenty five or twenty four or something like, something that. like that. And um, and and I'm like, okay, it's nine p.m. I just got off working a fourteen hour day, and now I have to try to <laughs> spend the next four hours putting this bed together. Dude, what a nightmare! Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll buy some stuff from IKEA occasionally. In fact, whenever I go into an IKEA now, it's like Sean and I were there the other day. We're buying this table. This we have a temporary table, and because uh, we're waiting like three or four months to get our our studio table, and we were buying this table. Did I tell a, a different story on the podcast? I don't know if I told it on the podcast or not. It might have been one, one, one of the live know. events. So I was at, at Ikea buying the dresser for Ella that's in her room right now. Yeah. Um, and like we figured out just the right one. It had just the right pop of color. And it, it, it's, it's a great dresser for her. It, and it, it has a little bookshelf on it as well. Uh, eventually, once we're all settled in, hopefully we'll do like a, a house tour of each of our houses like we did back in, in Montana. Yeah. A- and uh, anyway, I, w- I was buying this and this woman comes up to me in line. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I know I told you this story. This I don't know a, if I told it on the a, podcast. It was on, a li- it was on one of the live podcasts. Oh, okay. So so I uh, 
I, I she walks up to me and she's like, Hey, I recognize you. I'm like, Okay, hi, how you doing? I'm a hugger, my name's Josh. And and she she's like, No, but I recognize you. I'm like, <laughs> Uh huh. And she goes, What are you doing here? <laughs> I'm like, I'm I'm buying some stuff. What do you mean? What am I doing here? And she goes, didn't you ask her, were you like, what are well, you? Hold on, hold on. Uh, uh. And, and, and so she, she goes, you know, I've really been trying to simplify my life this last year after seeing your documentary. I said, then what are you doing here? Yeah. And I pointed back to my cart and I said, this is everything I own. <laughs> and I don't great. even own it yet. And, um, no, and and I think that's the thing. People get this misconception, like I like I want to live like an ascetic. No, I want to live like a person who brings things into their life deliberately, and that includes having some sort of aesthetic joy. Now, for me, my my home tends to be more stark than most people's, uh, and that's because Bex and and I and Ella are all sort of on the same page. Even Ella, like I know that when she goes to her her uh, biological father's house, it is not the same sort of aesthetics that, that we appreciate and uh, I, I know that she feel, she's expressed to us that she feels calmer uh, when she is with us uh, and in fact she's used similar terminology like it feels nice here mm, or, awesome. or I love it here you know <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's just because um, she she uh, yeah, she, she she's a sort of overstimulated in, in terms of sen- sensory things. And so when there's just too much there, she feels the clutter. But I think we all feel it to a certain extent. It's like if someone were to just start, yeah, if you walked into a hoarder's house and had to live there, all of a sudden you'd be like, I, I have to do something about this, right? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't live there. So Ryan, this, uh, <laughs> this article from uh, New York Magazine, um, uh, their, their blog called The Cut, uh, it says, psychologists explain why Ikea is a relationship death trap. Uh, I don't know what year this was, but it says, in honor of Valentine's Day, Science of Us is spending this week talking about love, specifically what happens when it goes wrong. If you ever wondered about the psychology of breakups, we've got you covered. And then it uh, goes on and says, it's been almost eight months now since the last time I've cried in an Ikea. <laughs> I feel that way. Sean and I, so we, we went to go buy this desk, but I also had to buy one like uh, container for Bex. And in order to go find this one little tiny, it's like a, a for the kitchen pantry. Like mm-hmm. we had one that broke. And so I wanted to replace it, but like you couldn't order online because it was made out of glass, whatever. So I'm like, I'm not just going to go to Ikea to buy this one thing. But we, when we went to go buy this, this table that we're sitting at, man, uh, Sean and I had to walk through the whole store and it was nervous making for me like mm. uh, it, it, and it was mi- we intentionally like waited to go on like a wednesday morning when no one would be there kind of thing because it can be crazy as hell there on the weekends especially up in burbank yeah um and so it goes on the problem i think was that we had gotten too cocky everything had been moving relatively smoothly my boyfriend and i had picked out a bookshelf without incident and a desk and even found a coffee table narrow enough for our teeny tiny living room it was actually a tv stand but still we, we were that couple that went to Ikea and came out unscathed, and then it was going to our heads. 
Uh, and then we, we got to the kitchen carts and found ourselves in an unfortunate gridlock kind of situation. Situation. One of them was too big. One was too small. None were just right. For easily an hour, we stayed by the kitchen carts, first debating whether to get one at all, and then eventually just standing there in stony silence, staring at our options. And then I started tearing up out of both frustration wow. and a strange sense of wow. loss. I actually feel this way every time I go to Ikea. And it, by the way, people think, since, since there's that whole scene of me reading about Ikea and everything that remains in the documentary, mm -hmm. uh, I'm talking about, you know, going to Ikea and buying all this stuff. And people, like, read that, uh, not everyone, I think uh, a small minority of people yeah. read that as a indictment of Ikea. No. Yeah, it, it, it was an indictment of me. Yeah. My life was ending. My mother died. My marriage ended. What the hell am I doing? Like, figuring out what kind of bath mats I need for my new apartment. Right. And, like, uh, is this a runner? And what is a throat pillow? Mm. I swear to you, I thought they were called throat pillows <laughs> until I was 28 years old. Um, I don't know. That's um, hilarious. <laughs> anyway, and and the funny thing is, Bex and I are looking for a good throw pillow right now. Just one though. Um, but I'm not. I, I'm not doing that as like the chaos sort of tumbles down all around me. And that that was it was an indictment of my my priorities really. Yeah, like where was your head at? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you know, oh god. Well, I was just gonna keep reading, but go ahead. Oh no no no! I was gonna. No, you keep reading. All right, well, so uh, at least we were in good company. After its delightfully Scandinavian product names and its meatballs. <laughs> By the way, I have to take a, a step back. Um, uh, Andrew Schultz of The Brilliant Idiots, one of uh, my favorite podcasts, um, he does, he's doing this weekly stand-up thing where he re releases a, a new joke every week uh, on his YouTube channel. That's great. And he had one about you know, Scandinavian cuisine, and it was so good. So I don't know if we could find it, but we might. If we can, we'll put it in the uh, the show notes. Cool. Uh, the Swedish furniture, the Swedish furniture store, might be best known for its mysterious love busting powers. And there's a link here. Um, every uh, relationship's greatest threat: IKEA. BuzzFeed has a listicle of 19 ridiculous IKEA fights that will make you want to be single forever. <laughs> I now I had to click on that. Damn it, man. See, I'm falling down the rabbit hole. Number one. Oh my god, this is gonna be two hours of you reading IKEA articles. The frozen it? meatball melee. <laughs> Number two, the center log standoff. Oh man, there are like legitimate like fights come on man back. come on yeah. come on Stop. Uh, uh, well, josh well, only one of us can be add man no i'm i'm gonna here's what i'm gonna do i am going to deplane uh from this uh, uh ikea built structure and uh we'll just put a link to both of these in the show notes why so many couples are are fighting at ikea from new york magazine and then the 19 ridiculous ikea fights that will Make you want to be single forever. That's <laughs> you know, on BuzzFeed. You know, what I found interesting about Chloe's question, so we get this a lot from artists where they say, oh, I'm an artist and I've got all this equipment that I've got to hold on to and I need to create art. Like that's that's totally the question I thought we were going to get. Yeah. But she wasn't asking about, she wasn't asking about the clutter she holds on to to create art. She was asking about what, ins the, the stuff she holds on that inspires her. Yes. And dude, like at the end of the day, you know, having something, I just said it <laughs> at the end of the day, 
put a nickel That's in the it. bucket, Ryan. This podcast is over. <laughs> you should start your own podcast called At the, at end, the of end of the Day. day. I would listen to that. Oh my goodness, man. So so what what I'm getting at is is that Chloe, Josh and I, yeah, we we don't we don't uh we don't pitch that people become ascetics. Uh, what Josh and I really want to help people do is have things in their life that adds value, that serves a purpose or brings them joy. And we want them to have everything else out of the way. Yes. And Chloe, what it sounds like to me is you've got some really cool things that inspire you and maybe they don't serve a, a functional purpose, but I would argue that they serve a, a purpose uh, for for your uh, being able to create for your I think creations. They might. I think they might not too. I, I think the things. So we talked about this last week. The things that I liked aren't necessarily the things that I like. Yeah. And sometimes we hold on to those things. And so maybe what she could do is a temporary packing party yeah. with some of those things that that she sees. I love as, that idea. You know, she sees as you know maybe this. In fact, she said, um, "Do I give too much stock to these things?" Uh, and are, are uh, that I feel are necessary to create. She feels they're necessary to create. Here, here's the key: they're not necessary to create. May, maybe they, maybe they do augment the experience for you. Mm-hmm. I can tell you if I, if you look at my desk, it faces a blank wall, mm-hmm. and that is what's most necessary for me. And I've done that for a long time. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, I remember when I lived in my my small apartment in in Dayton, Ohio, I uh, had a desk pushed up against a window and. And for me, looking out the window was trouble. So I would put, anytime I went to go right, I would shut the curtain because right. I, I don't want to be influenced by the outside world when I'm writing. And so a blank wall was the most ideal for me. And before that, it was a, a small little desk pushed up against a brick wall. Mm-hmm. And and because I want my creativity come to come from inside, not from the exterior. However, if those things do actually augment your experience, great. Maybe do your own little 21-day packing party uh, with just those elements that you find to be not functional, but they do serve a, a potential purpose for you. And that will that will let you know whether or not they actually do. And if they yeah. do, great. Hold on to them. If not, pass them on somewhere else. Maybe someone else can get some value from them. Yeah, I think Chloe needs to ask herself too. Like, Did, did she call and ask us this question because it is it is seriously like stressing her out like is there is there anxiety that she feels from having these possessions or does she think that you know if we came to her house and saw these items like you know we would judge her or her minimalist friends would judge her for it because mm. if that's the case then i would i would i would absolutely say like don't ever get rid of something because of how someone else is going to judge you like that's a that's yeah. a bad that's a bad way to determine uh, uh, how you live your life is on how other people judge you. And, and the same is true with, with bringing new things into your life. And we're going to talk about that in a minute with Julia, our next mm-hmm. question. But but uh, yeah, well, you, you don't want to hold on to something be, or bring something new into your life because someone is going to judge you about that thing. Right. It's not for them. It's for you, right? You also don't want to let go of something because you're like, huh, I wonder if this will help my minimalist street cred or, or, or <laughs> right. whatever. So, or minimalist house cred? Yeah, so I think if, I think honestly, you know, if Chloe can look herself in the mirror and answer that question honestly, 
that'll let her know what she needs to do with with those items. And and the thing that I wrote down here is step slowly to avoid going too far. And so maybe the packing party is a big, uh, too big of a step. But the thing I like about doing a packing party is it doesn't force you to get rid of everything. We're right. not saying, hey, why don't you just go ahead and donate all that stuff and then see whether or not it added value to your life. Because if you get rid of it and you're like, oh, now I have to reacquire these things because they actually, I do miss them. That's silly. But if you pack them up and put them somewhere, put them in the trunk of your car or in a closet if you have the space or basement wherever, and it just sits in a box or two, and then you unpack it slowly. So maybe that's that's a, that's something pithy you can put in the show notes there, Sean. Step slowly to avoid going too far. So, so maybe getting rid of those things slowly. And then, of course, for me, the opposite is true since we moved into this new apartment. And it's kind of driving me crazy because there are some things where I'm like, all right, I, we, we ordered this couch three months ago, and I'm still waiting for it to show up. Wow. And so I have this porn star couch in the meantime. And, and, um, and and but I, I'm also appreciating the fact that like anything that we bring into our home, I'm doing so deliberately, and I'm going going to do so very slowly. It's a it's sort of an experiment in in uh, temporary deprivation in a way, right? And and, and the other thing that, that I'll just echo or append, we were talking about the objects, right? And she she mentioned the the beautiful objects without function. And I think that beautiful objects are important. We talked about the the flower metaphor. We talked about <laughs> <laughs> the basketball on the bookshelf metaphor. <laughs> no, no, that was not a metaphor. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> dribble your dreams. <laughs> I feel like we if we did more than one Sean, word, if we did more than one word titles for podcast episodes, this one would be called dribble your dreams. <laughs> Sean, why are you letting me derail us like this, man? <laughs> so I've got this book that just came out from. Uh, Carl Ove Knafsgaard. I think you read his My Struggle book. Yeah. Uh, one of the six. Um, yeah. And um, he he just put this out. And the, the way that it's described, it, it's uh, so it's called Winter. Uh, we'll put a link to this in the show notes as well. In Winter, we rejoin Carl Ove Knafsgaard as he waits for the birth of his daughter. In prepar- preparation for her arrival, he takes stock of the world, seeing it as if for the first time. In his sensitive style, he writes about the moon, water, messiness, owls, birthdays, just to name a handful of subjects. He fills these oh-so-familiar objects and ideas with new meaning, taking nothing for granted or as given. And so uh, it's what's really fascinating about this, they're really, really short chapters, and he, he is somehow able to write about the most banal things, not in a gorgeous way like someone like David Foster Wallace or Don DeLillo or Mary Carr would do, but, but in a way that is just very matter of fact, but it's almost like it puts you in a trance and you keep reading. So he has, he, what he's doing is he's writing these little short letters to his unborn daughter and he's talking about different objects and ideas. And so one of the chapters in here is just called chairs. And I'm going to read a quick excerpt from that because it's what he's doing basically is appreciating an object the same way a kid appreciates it. I notice this with Ella now. When we're walking around LA, there's so many freaking flowers just by houses. It takes us an hour to get 15, uh, a 10, 15 minute walk to the store because she will literally stop and smell every single flower. And then she'll go back and smell <laughs> one she smelled a minute ago to compare them. And uh, that is great. I, I think Carl Ove here, he. He, he does the same thing with these sort of everyday objects. So I'm just going to read a quick excerpt from the chairs chapter in this. A chair is for sitting on. It consists of four legs upon which rests a board, and from the end of this rises a backrest. All these elements can be executed in various ways, shaped differently and using different materials, but the basic shape is fixed and unalterable. 
If one of the elements is missing, such as the backrest, it is no longer a chair, but something else, in this case, a stool. The chair is related to the bench and the sofa, which are also for sitting on, yet is still radically separate from them. For the chair is for one person, and one person only, which is an essential aspect of its character. The chair isolates us. It is like a little island in the room to which no one else has access as long as someone else is in possession of it. The chair is a symbol of power. The king has his throne. The chieftain has his chair. The minister has his seat in the government. But the chair is also something everyone has at home and which everyone, infants as well as the very old, sits on every day. And like everything that the body uses regularly, from stairs to door handles, water taps and coffee cups to tables and remote controls, soap dispensers and clothes hangers, the particular chair, with its particular appearance, is lost, is lost sight of. When we enter a room with chairs in it, we know they are there, without this certainty usually reaching our consciousness and becoming a clearly formulated thought. It is, as, it is as if we live in a world of shadows. And so I'm so glad my 36-year-old self can appreciate writing like that because my 25-year-old self would have been like, what the hell is Josh reading me right now? Boring. <laughs> but I, I, think, I think what he's trying to point out here is there's beauty within the boring. There's beauty within the banality mm. uh, uh, of... Uh, of a chair or a piece of art and it's up to us to appreciate it the the, the thing that I was described that I was reading about the book and it talks about um, he he fills these oh so familiar objects and ideas with new meaning and that's really what we do the the, the things don't have an intrinsic meaning in, in our home in our life other than the meaning we give it and in this case he's filling it with meaning yes i like chairs i like the way that they look i have a weird fascination with chairs personally but the way he described it there in very simple terms is like oh yeah you know it, it, there is a particular meaning that we give to these objects. Mm -hmm. And and so if you find purpose or meaning, Chloe, in, in these objects, good for you, hold on to them. But maybe temporarily deprive yourself, be willing to let go for a period of time. Also remember this, they're just objects, they're all replaceable. Yeah, and especially if you decide to pack them up, you could always unpack them, put them back. That's right. Yeah. Well, I'd love to send you, uh, Chloe, I'd love to send you a copy of our book, Everything That Remains. It's uh, the story of our suit and tie corporate guys to minimalists. There's that whole chapter in there of me spending my time at Ikea while uh, the world is crumbling around me. I think the, the line from, from there is, even while Rome is burning, there's somehow time for shopping at Ikea. And, and that was the particular metaphor that I wanted to, to show off there. Like, literally, if you imagine the uh, some uh, while Rome is burning, there's a soldier who runs off to go shopping at Ikea. And that's kind of, that's kind of how I felt in retrospect. Certainly not in the time, but uh, I did feel just as stressed out as these, these couples fighting in Ikea, except I was... I was only fighting with myself. Uh, Julia in Los Angeles has a question for us. How can I minimize my physical possessions when they bring credibility to my work? You know, sometimes having fancy clothes, cars, can influence, pe can influence people on believing that you're so successful on what you do. In other words, you sort of need that image. This turned out to be a contradiction to me because spending money on these materials don't add value to my personal life 
However, in the industry that I work, they do make a difference. Before we get into Julia's question, can we talk about the Grammys for a second? No. K- Khalid. <laughs> yes. Or is it Khalid? Khalid? It's Khalid. Yeah. Yeah. He was nominated for Best New, Ar- New Artist and didn't get it. Really? Yeah. Who won it? I, some girl whose album came out in 2015. Oh. It's 2018. I don't know. And also SZA was was nominated. She didn't get it. Jay-Z's album, 444, did not get best album or best rap album. What is going on? And they had Elton John performing at the Grammys. The problem is that you care about the Grammys, Josh. I don't. I care about music. <laughs> That's fair. And, but and, but and, the Grammys don't really represent the best of all music, though. You two was performing? You two. You two? Sting. <laughs> Sting was there. Shaggy was there. You know Shaggy. It wasn't me. Yeah. What is going on? I don't know. Man. Bruno Mars won best album, which is, I mean, he's the most talented man on earth. I totally get it, but it wasn't the best album of the year. Yeah, I don't even think I listened to that album. I'll have to go check it out now that it won. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's yeah, it's sort of like a throwback to nine, 1992, sort of Teddy Riley, Neo, Soul, R&B. Um, and he's like the Michael Jackson of our time. I, I totally get it. I think he's one of the most talent, one of the most talented human beings on earth. Was Bruno Mars on American Idol? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. You're thinking of Ruben Stuttered. <laughs> oh yeah. Always get this too confused. <laughs> yeah. Um, but All right. man. All right, Julia, Julia has a question. So, so uh, the thing that I wrote down here, Ryan, this is something pithy for you, Sean, to put in, in the show notes. As, as a minimal maximum, even though we're not at the lightning round yet. If someone likes you for who you're trying to be rather than who you are, then it's not you they like. Mm. And, and, and so she, like she talked about the, the, and you could probably clean that up a little bit. I, I, um, <laughs> it's just going to be like a very <laughs> choppy, pithy. pithy. Yeah. <laughs> if someone likes you for who you're trying to be, then it is not you they like. How about that? Um, and, and, and she talked about like possessions lend credibility. And, and here, here's, here's the first thing I'll say is personally, I actually believe that's somewhat true in, in our culture. Yes, it is true that, that our, not necessarily our possessions, but our choices, they influence other people. Um, and, and we do want to put our best foot forward. Of course. Ryan, when you and I show up, um, at a live event, I got a nice, crisp, clean black T-shirt on. That's right, and and you're not you don't look like you're not slovenly. No, um, you change your underwear every day, I believe. Yeah, uh, as and far as you know, <laughs> it's the rumor. <laughs> I saw it on Reddit. <laughs> um, God, I will never read Reddit again. <clears throat> God, like, I like Reddit, but Reddit no, hates me. I, uh, it was like six years ago. I, I read love it. Reddit, but they I, hate I, us. I haven't been back. I'm sure we have a Reddit thread or whatever, but but uh, man, I had people threaten. This is the first time I ever had someone threaten me with physical violence online. It was on <laughs> they, Reddit. All they said is they wanted to kick you in the nuts, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> it was a metaphor for <laughs> kicking you in the nuts. <laughs> right, a metaphor. Ki- Never mind. <laughs> so and, so no. Continue with Julia's. Well, well she, she, she said that possessions lend uh, them uh, uh, lend her some credibility. And here's what I'll say: is that can be true, sure. but I think we also uh, mistake um, expensive things for nice things, or nice things for expensive things. Mm-hmm. There are are um, 
pieces of crap that are crazy expensive, right? Um, there are relatively inexpensive things that are really well made. I mean, uh, the first thing that came to mind when, when she was talking about her question, the, the cars and the clothes influence other people, she said. I remember the first time that we did an event with Joshua Becker. I think this was 2012. Oh, the South by. Uh, no, we did a Phoenix thing with him. We we did an event with him in Phoenix um, at a bookstore there. It may have been 2014. Um, was it? I mean, was it on our 2014 tour? I don't remember what you what you because I remember the specific instance. We went to go have lunch with him, and he gave us a ride somewhere. And I got in his car, mm. and it was like a used Honda Accord. I remember. And I remember being so impressed, cause, but it wasn't because of the. Honda Accord, right? Like, <laughs> you were like, nice Accord, dude. <laughs> Although, did you know at one time that was the most stolen car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was. It, 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 did you see the movie New Jersey Drive? No. Yeah, they used to always steal Accords in that in that, in that that film. Anyway, so you're anyway, impressed with it, not because it was an Accord. Yeah, but because it was pristine. Like, I got in there, and you know me, I am OCD to the gills. Yeah. But I got in there, I'm like, I need to clean my car up. <laughs> I love it. Every time you borrow my car, it's all nice and polished. <laughs> 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 it's because everything drives me insane. <laughs> and, but I got into to Joshua Becker's car, and I felt like the sense of calm. Mm. Like it was, it wasn't a Lexus. It wasn't a, a Range Rover. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and so, yeah. So, so I think that lends itself more credibility than the logo. And by the way, if the people that that you're hanging around, um. If the people you're hanging around are more impressed by logos than by the person, then you need to fire their fucking asses. <laughs> they, they, they are, I mean, you need to fire them as friends or as coworkers. Find a different job. Find a different career if, if those things aren't important to you. Here's the thing. If those things are important to you, if the logos and the fashion and the $400 Kanye West sweatpants are 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 important to you, then go do your thing. I'm not judging you for that. But if clearly you're, you're struggling with trying, you're trying to be someone else to impress the people you don't care about that much, that's consumerism. Mm. And that's the problem. We are spending money we don't have on credit cards to buy things we don't want or need to impress people we don't like. That is a huge problem in our society, and you are, can be the change agent there. So, Julia, it is up to you. And yes, it's going to be difficult to distance yourself, but 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 it is. It Did is, you just say change agent? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was that one of the hundred? That was one of the hundred. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I, I think I think here. It's, no, you're you're absolutely right there, and I'm sorry to derail you. No, I, I think it's appropriate. Right. And and here here's the thing, Julia. I feel that that you are the person who has to make this change. You're not going to get the other people to change. Hey, can you stop being influenced by cars and clothes? No. Yes. Do you want to put your best foot forward? Absolutely. Can you put your best foot forward in some pretty simple clothes that are inexpensive? Yes. I'm wearing a shirt from eBay right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I... Uh, you know, I'm wearing some pretty basic clothes. I don't have uh, a Lexus anymore. I used to. I used to have two Lexuses. And Lex I is the plural. I think so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Look it up. Um, and, and and it's because I've realized that I can do just fine with a Toyota. Right. Um, there's this old rapper. Not well, he's probably old now. There, there's a rapper from the mid '90s named E.C. Illa. He's from Chicago. <laughs> and. Uh, um, he, he said a Camry will get you girls just like a Lex can plus you'll save 30 grand let's take the 30 grand and spend it on your kids education and like th there there was this th to me like 
I wasn't ready to accept that yet because I was what in 1994 I mm. was 13 years old. Mm-hmm. But I look back and I'm like, why didn't I listen to that? Right. Because a Camry is going to get you to where you want to go, just as well as a Lexus is. But you're going to save a lot of money in the process. You can do something better with. That yeah, money. not having a car payment, man. Like that is, that is the best feeling in the world. I struggle with that because, like, the I still have the Camry, the 2004. I'm sorry, Corolla, not yeah. Camry. Um, <clears throat> I'll replace it in the, like within this year, uh, next year. But I mean, you're going to have to eventually. But it's but I'm but like not having a, a car payment. It is it is such a good feeling. But it's probably gonna be hard letting go of that dope Kenwood stereo you have in there. <laughs> That's right, man. <laughs> with them tweeters. So Ryan's Ryan's uh, stereo went out it was the last uh, last year. Um, 2017 right yeah yeah so i replaced it for the longest time mariah and i just like rode around in silence yeah we we brought like a bluetooth speaker with us yeah but mariah's with you so it couldn't have been too silent am i right (laughs) no you're not right oh (laughs) (laughs) so we we tried to bring a bluetooth speaker and that worked okay but yeah we like well she has a friend who's uh who works at like uh you know, some kind of sound. I forget what it's called. Aspen sound. It's sound waves at the Dayton Mall. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and he hooked me up. Hooked me up with them tweeters. So for those of you who saw our documentary and you saw me putting the cassette tape into the deck, that deck is no longer there, right? No, it's not. Oh, no. it's so sad. I'm I know it is so nostalgia. Sad. So how'd you let it go? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I didn't have to. Now, now are people unimpressed with your car, Ryan? Oh yeah, man. When I, when I, when I turn up them tweeters, no, but so are they unimpressed? Like, do, do you, well, you know, know people, where places where people judge you? Oh yeah. Um. Well, it, it's funny. Uh. Yeah, I was gonna tell you. Um. Continuing the, you know, what you were talking about, hanging out with people who judge you for the brand of whatever it is that you have. I had a. Uh, so when I got rid of my my car payment and I got the tour bus. Yeah. Um. I was still on this board. Um. I was like the the chairman of of this organization i'm just trying to keep it loose because like i don't want to call anyone out yeah um long story short someone in this it, that was on the board we were walking out we could say it was a bureau of sorts <laughs> and as we were walking out um someone in in this uh in this committee they saw me getting into my car and they were like that's your new car and i'm like yep and they were like i don't like it and i was just like okay like i'm sorry you don't like it but uh, I don't have a car payment, and I like not having a car payment. And and, and at that that person's probably not in your life anymore. That's uh, that's not true. Okay. Um. At that at that point, um, I literally was thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, that's really weird. They gave me a hard time about my car, and I was like, you know what? Like, if that's if I end up having any tension or what, I can walk away from this position. It's not that big of a deal. Right. Um. Or if that person walks out of my life, that's okay too. Like I'm not going to sit here and not, I'm not going to let their judgment, um, you know, I'm not going to let that affect me at all. Well, because uh, but that, but long story short, that person actually did end up. They were one of the people who at first they weren't they weren't like that's the only unsupportive thing that they ever said when uh, when we started that whole transition. Yeah. So they weren't nearly as as egregious. Uh, which I would say that wasn't even egregious. Well, it, it was to a certain extent because that you considered that person a friend, yeah. right? I assume. Yeah. Um, I think I know the person you're talking about. Sure. Um, uh, I assumed it was someone on the periphery and, and not that person. Um, but 
what what you realize in that scenario is, is judgment is a mirror of uh, of the person's own insecurities, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, the thing that we always say, judgment is but a mirror of the insecurities of the person who's doing the judging. And and so so what you really saw there is, oh, that person is insecure about his or her own debt, his or her own need to fill fulfill their identity by having the the fancy car, the big house, the yeah, the the, the trophies of success, right? right? And that's great and, for them. And they <laughs> sure if that's what they really want but clearly what they were saying is oh this isn't what i really want because if they wanted that for them it wouldn't matter to them whether or not you're driving a toyota corolla right Mm -hmm. they'd be like oh that's cool like whatever um and and so you know like with with my friends it's like i'm like i I would never say oh why do you have that expensive why do you have that brand of car yeah whether it's yeah exactly why do you have a a maserati or something i don't think i have any friends with a maserati but (laughs) i did see one in my parking garage the other day i saw like four on the way here oh my god (laughs) yeah i saw a lamborghini today and this guy you know you can actually hear they sell they sound really sort of unique when they're driving past you like they have a they have their own uh, sound design. Yes. Um, and and it's if that's what someone wants and they truly get value from it, great. I, I wouldn't do it even if I could afford a Lamborghini, which I cannot. Mm-hmm. Um, but but if I could, I, I would rather put that money somewhere else personally. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I'm I'm telling someone else that that's what they should do. Dude, I want a Tesla, really bad. Yeah. And the Model X is freaking awesome. Like, I really love it, dude. That's like, the it's, uh, it's, crossover SUV looking. Yeah, stuff. dude. Like, it's really insane. But the thing is, it's around. Don't say you love it. It's around six figures. Ryan, love people and use things. I love the design of it. Uh huh. Yeah. I really appreciate the design. I'll Beautiful. say that. I'll there say we go. That. There we go. Um, okay, yeah, in fact, it was funny. But, I, I was going back and listening to these old episodes that we did last year. Yeah. And uh, uh, I had noticed how much I would say I love something. Like, even though I'm, I'm like. At the end of every episode, I say love people use things, and then I'm talking about how I love this brand of freaking T-shirt or something. Everything we do is steeps in our age, right? Right. But but uh, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, Model X. So Model if X. somehow um, XXS, I don't know, dude. Like I've got I've got money invested in Tesla. Okay, so let's say that I made a hundred thousand dollars profit off of my Tesla investment. Uh huh. Like you know, some kind of miracle windfall yeah miracle happened all of a sudden the i still wouldn't i still could not justify buying a model x paying cash for a model because it's like yeah it's like i just to build that school in laos i believe it was it ended up being like 30 something thousand it was yeah just over 30 so it's like if i go with the model 3 which is still an expensive car uh but you know the the money i would save i I could build two schools like for me like i just can't I don't know, man. I'd have to be like, it would have to be a really exceptional situation where I literally had so much money I didn't know what to do with. But it, but that's just but to just to be clear, I'm not judging anyone who goes out and spends six figures on a car. I, the reason why I'm even talking about me is because I'm trying to help Julia show where I come from, yeah. And, and Josh is trying to show her where where his ideas come from. But that doesn't make our ideas and our perspectives 100% right. The one thing I do want to say, though, about Julia's uniforms is they are just that. They're uniforms. Mm. So she she gets to decide, it sounds like, what brand her uniform is. Um, but she gets to choose a uniform that she feels beautiful in. Yeah. And that's what I would encourage Julia to do. Do you know one of the most stylish people who's ever been in my life? 
was my mother. Do you remember? I mean, my mom had so many like crazy big hats. Dude, and, like, the hats, man. It she was... was always dressed to the nines. Yeah. Uh, even even though she had a lot of you know, demons and, and, and problems, like that was one thing she did really well. I don't know that she ever bought anything brand new. She was always going to the thrift shop, the uh, Goodwill, the secondhand consignment stores, yeah. and she found stuff that worked out. I mean, and part of it was just being confident in, in what she was wearing, right? And she looked better. Uh, she was better dressed than any anyone that I know who's going to, you know, sort of walk the red carpet. And part of that had to do with because she felt good in what she was wearing. And I think... And that's that, what's important. Yeah. And that's what yeah. I, I, I've noticed with you, Ryan. And, and you and I have, have radically simplified our wardrobe over the last seven years since we started TheMinimalists.com. But... But... Uh, we, you know, I, remember, I saw a picture the other day of you and I out on our first tour, both wearing these weird plaid shirts. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the white shirts that's that's the best uniform yeah. i love how we started with white uh-huh. and now it's mostly black yeah <laughs> like there's there's some kind of metaphor there uh, yeah, there is i don't know we'll work on it we'll work on sean, it. sean get to work on that <laughs> edit that metaphor for us <laughs> uh speaking of sean like i i mean uh, I love Sean no matter what he wears right but when we do our events i'm like sean you got to wear some black jeans <laughs> You can't wear the <laughs> you can't wear those cargo shorts oh, to our events, dude. Sean can't help it; he's a dad. <laughs> Although now, so I talked about Jack Harlow last week, and how his album is album of the year so far for me, Gazebo, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the, the the song on there, um, uh, one of the singles, it's called Wasted Youth, and he starts off. He says, "I rock the tan cargo with the Velcro. Sli- I rock the tan cargo with the Velcro seams." So I can't feel the vibration when my cell phone rings. I'm like, the 90s are totally back. I sent you that picture of him yesterday. And it's like, the 90s are all the way back. So maybe Sean has just been ahead of the curve this whole whole time. time. I'm sure that wouldn't surprise me at all. In a few weeks, those jorts will be back in style, Sean. (laughs) They're not jorts. They're not? No, they're cargo shorts, man. That is a big difference. Oh, yeah, yeah. And those are totally back in style right now. They are. So I just, I just gave you the you lyrics, we, man. My, so my, my first visit ever uh, to Portland, Oregon, was with you, and <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, we were on tour. So, no, we weren't even on tour. We were, we were on going tour. to uh, WDS. Yeah, this is like with Chris Gillibo. He's been on our podcast. That was, that was 2011. It was 2011. Yeah. It was about. It was about. So Six, July. seven months after we started the, the website. Yeah, so we're out there, and I'm wearing that plaid shirt yeah. and the cargo shorts, and I'm like, I'm so excited to be in Portland. Like, I had never been there, and, like, I am so just taken back by, like, the friendliness of people in Portland, the bike uh, the bike friendliness, there are bike lanes everywhere. Like, you can tell, like, they that city really goes out of their way to make sure that bikers have... Uh, have a good experience there and yeah. all these one and I'm feeling so good There's and a like, certain synergy to that city. Yeah, yeah. No, the, let's see how many corporate cliche <laughs> words we can use in this podcast. So so uh <laughs> you and I were walking to get food and I've got this I'm elated, dude. I feel so good. <laughs> I feel you had so short good. Hair. You had short hair. Short too. hair, dude. Yeah. I feel so You're still working in the corporate world. I feel so good, dude. And um, I had like the aviators. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, uh, you, when you had short hair, especially, you were definitely an undercover cop. Oh my god! I, it I, it's not that you look like undercover cop. I'm sure you were whatever, an underco- undercover. So, cop. so as, as Josh and I are walking, I hear someone, <laughs> someone yell out the window. 
Hey, dork! Nice cargo shorts! <laughs> and like any good feeling I had, <laughs> it was just completely diminished. <laughs> you, you, just to be clear, you have flip flops on. <laughs> I did have flip flops on. Yeah, so. Well, I remember, well, I remember later, uh, it was either that day or the next day. Some guy came up to me and he's like, "Excuse me, officer." <laughs> <laughs> and so, then, and then I was like, "Oh, Portland in, in is is filled with a bunch of judgmental, uh, pretentious folks." Okay, so I think I no, think I, the, I don't think that about Portland. Uh, no, no, no. Here, here's here's the lesson I think is be aware of your surroundings. Mm-hmm. And um, I, when I was in the corporate world, I used to wear a suit every day, even though it wasn't required. It was sort of recommended to wear a, a a tie and and uh you know uh, uh shirt sleeves but it was not it was not recommended to you have to wear a suit but i did because i did want to put my best foot forward and even now being aware of your surroundings so important you wouldn't go back to portland like that now uh you wouldn't dress like that now period not that there's anything inherently wrong with dressing like that but you've realized that that is not the best version of yourself it's not the thing that you look best in it's not the thing that you feel best in you are still finding yourself uh aesthetically or stylistically sure, right sure. uh and and so i think what the 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 lesson here is find yourself stylistically and price doesn't doesn't necessarily equal uh, quality and quality certainly doesn't equal price, and so keep that in mind. You can you can uh, what do the kids say? Balling on a budget. Um, you 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 can uh, you could definitely be you know fresh dressed and 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 look clean, just like Joshua Becker's Honda Accord, without without spending the uh, the Maserati or Tesla money. Yeah, just keep it lit, fam. <laughs> All right, hey uh, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> Julia, you know we're derailed, and Ryan's laughing at himself. So, um, uh, <laughs> I'm going to send you a copy of our book, uh, Essential. Either the uh, all of our books are on audiobook or print or ebook. Uh, so, Essential has an entire chapter in there about success, and and I think ultimately what we're telling Julia here is maybe redefine what success looks like for you. What what is influential for you? Who are the people you're actually trying to influence? Because I want to be influential, but hopefully for me that doesn't mean showing off a a logo or a particular brand in order to influence those Dude, people. Dude, if I showed up for brain surgery and the doctor was dressed like little insert. Little pump, little peep, little Uzi Vert. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be like, I, I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> rest, rest in peace, little peep. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you understand what I'm saying, though, right? Like, yeah, I'm not. It, and and I wish I could pull off little peep's look. Mm-hmm. I really do. I would not be able to pull that off. No, no, the pink hair would not would not be. It would not. It would, would not, not fit you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, we'll send you a copy of Essential. It's twelve different chapters on intentional living. One of those chapters is about success. All right, y'all, we'd love to hear what you all have to say. So I've got to find my notes here. Oh, yeah, here's, here it is. We'd love to hear what you have to say. So if you have a comment <laughs> or a tip about uh, decorations or decorating or aesthetics, including advice for any of our callers today, this is my favorite part of the show. This was At the end of the show, we air our favorite comments and tips from our listeners. You can leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. By the way, if you send us a comment or tip, you have a much better chance of making it onto the show. We get fewer comments and tips from our listeners, and I like repurposing them. In fact, I like trying out some of your tips in my own life. So send those in, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. 
It's where we air our favorite comments and tips at the end of the show and on a future episode. Ryan, what time is it? It's time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. Indeed, we do. We're on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and we're back on those platforms. Um, uh, we're at The Minimalists on, on all three platforms there. We're also on Pinterest and uh, and YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash The Minimalists. During our lightning rounds, where Ryan and I each do our best to answer, answer uh, each question that you have with just a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. We also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes, so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our pithy quotes in one place, minimalmaxims.com. Our first lightning round question is from Medi, which I believe is short for Matrissa. What? <laughs> I've never seen the word, the name Medi, M-E-T-T-Y. It's short for Metropolis. <laughs> People's, wait, is that an actual name? No. <laughs> I was just trying I mean, te- to. Technically, it could be. I mean, Medi is a name, yes. Medi, Matricia. What, what, what is that short for? I don't think it's short for anything. <laughs> what is Ryan short for? <laughs> All right, Medi writes in. My eight-year-old son collects wooden sticks. We have a rule that those sticks do not go inside, but they pile up outside the front door and in my car. Any suggestions how to address this? Yes, Ella has been doing this recently. Uh, in fact, I'm going to uh, share a, a photo on my Instagram, at Joshua Fields Milburn, of her stick collection outside the front door. Um, she uses it to, like right in the snow or right in the dirt or to, you know, whatever. And, and so we have this little stool with her stick collection on that stool. And I'll tell you what, it actually kind of looks like art. It's a beautiful stool right outside. And I, so I'll share it. And there is a way. So we've been talking about decorations and art. When I, uh, Beck sent me the picture of it, I'm like, that is a good photo. This actually looks like someone put together a little stick art. Um, and so my pithy answer for you, Mehdi, is... Uh, let's see here. As parents, we teach our children to pick their battles, but we too must pick our battles carefully. And, and so here's the thing. To me, this isn't a battle worth fighting, telling her that she shouldn't have sticks. I used to play with sticks as a little kid, right? You play with rocks and sticks or whatever you find. Uh, I think that's okay. I think, yes, we have to we have to pick our battles. And here's the thing. Uh, uh, Medi, Ryan, she said that uh, she let the... Uh, sticks pile outside the, her front door and and in her, and in her car <laughs> ella ain't bringing a stick in my cars yeah. no way that's that's a great point yeah um, and so you can say no that, maybe that's the other thing uh that's another pithy answer wait don't you, ruin you can, wait wait no no wait okay you're gonna ruin my pithy answer okay so that's a perfect segue into my pithy answer well, my pithy, a pithy, parent's my... job is not to order their children around but rather set boundaries now i totally ripped this off from joshua becker's book okay <laughs> but, which one which one uh, uh clutter free with kids uh-huh um, but, uh, but what I'll say is like, yes, you're right, man. If I had a kid, there's no way they're bringing sticks into my car. Right. And as a parent, you get to set that boundary. And, uh, yeah, like I said, you don't want to order your parents around. I remember growing up when my parents ordered me around and told me I could or couldn't do something that was by far the worst way, uh, to get me to, um, uh, to get me to go along with them. I mean, of course I'd go along with them whether I wanted to or not as a child, but but when they would actually ask my input and let me feel like I was making a little bit of a decision, it was so much easier for me to go along with, with what they wanted to do. So right. yeah, dude, like totally. There, Medi, yes, like you don't want to sit there and tell your child, no, you can't pick up sticks, but you definitely want to set boundaries that, that are appropriate. You say you don't want to sit there and sell your child? No. Set, 
Did he say sell your child? That is not what I said. <laughs> Maddie, my pithy answer is sell your child. <laughs> uh, I said you don't want to tell your child. Oh, oh, well, that's... <clears throat> Yeah, that's better. So I uh, add a second pithy answer for you here is no matter what, you can always say no. Uh, but I agree with, with Ryan. It, uh, it's better to say yes. What are you saying yes to here? Mm. So say yes to the stick collection. Keep it outside the door. Keep it within a boundary, as Ryan said. And for us, like Ella can keep that little stick collection on her stool, but it doesn't grow beyond that stool. And it's the same thing we do with our fridge. Right? She has one piece of artwork on the fridge. In order to replace that, she has to take, if she wants to put something else on there, she has to take that down that is a boundary that we've set we got another question ryan is it is it hung up there with the uh the yeti magnet <laughs> yes <laughs> the sasquatch magnet <laughs> speaking of which i still haven't been to Sasqu- sasquatch coffee it, it's called ca- coffee for sasquatch it's uh it's on the corner of la brea and melrose it is oh, my dude, it's like right there yeah, yeah it's oh, about, about a mile out. away from here um and it is my favorite coffee shop in la right now all there's right, a, there's Rachel. a few other great ones, but that's. The, have you been to uh, Go Get Em Tiger yet? No, it's over in Launch uh, Larchmont. Um, it's that's a great coffee shop too. You gotta try it out. I'll, I'll, I'll drag you over there. But I'll coffee for Sasquatch aesthetically and the coffee, it's just all around. It's beautiful. Rachel writes in: Being an art fan and a minimalist, how do you curate your art collection? Uh, my pithy answer is: Art extends beyond the framed objects on our walls. So that's a perfect bookend here. Uh, uh, the, the we were talking about this earlier like anything can be art and it's not just the visual side of things well it's the physical so the, the physical objects it can be the way that something sounds uh, that's one thing we're trying to accomplish with the studio space is make sure that it sounds beautiful I think we're 90% of the way there we may end up getting a rug here we actually have to get one more sound panel here we're moving some of those over to to, uh, to close the gap a little bit so it looks great aesthetically um, that's a type of artwork symmetry is a type of artwork so, mm-hmm. so art extends beyond on the framed objects on our walls. Here's the other thing I'll say, though. Not everything is art. The guy putting his glasses down in the museum, that's a type of performance art in a way because he's doing it, but just the glasses themselves aren't necessarily art. <sighs> I don't know, man. Art is kind of perspectival, dude. Yeah, I, I, I do. I definitely agree with that. But um, you know what is an art? Someone putting a crucifix in a jar of urine. That That is... Th- th- that is provocation that um and, and yeah it certainly creates a visceral feeling right right uh, but but that's not art um uh, some of the stuff i see at lacma is is interesting but it's it's you, not you personally art. would not consider it art yeah yeah i, I think and, i and think probably the majority of people i understand what I, you're I think i think there there are some things that you can say objectively aren't art yeah i guess i yeah i would yeah I personally don't feel confident enough to look at anything and say it is or isn't art because I'm just not skilled in art at all. Okay, well, <laughs> I have I have no I have no uh, like formal education. I could not tell you the different art periods. Sure, and and yeah, I'm 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 not as well versed on that as I'd like to be. But here's here's the thing I'll say: there are things. There the opposite is also true. So occasionally, uh, Bex and I will rent this cabin in the middle of Montana. It's like on top of this mountain. You don't see anything else around. There's deer out there. You hear wolves howling at night. Um, uh, we've seen elk, uh, just herds of them. That's not art. 
but it's truly beautiful, right? Mm. Now you could paint that, and it would be uh, the painting would be art. Yeah. But but it's it's truly beautiful. You look out the window, and it's like looking at art. It's it's like that, but it isn't actually art. It's it's just nature, right? I'm with you. And so so there are some things that are objectively not art. Um, and, and, and the re- only reason I say that it, it, with with my p- pithy answer here is yes, a lot most of the things that we bring into our home, I treat it like art. I want a couch that looks like art if I'm gonna have a couch. I want a coffee table that is aesthetically pleasing i would call that a type of art it may not be the traditional type of art but there are some things that just aren't art dude there is this um the uh i don't know what you would call it it's a glass container there's a name there's a there's a a, there's jargon for this but it's what i use to make my coffee and so i put the 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 pour over uh filter on top of this chemex it's not a chemex it's a metal or it's a i'm sorry it's a it's a glass uh, it's just a glass jar. Carafe. Yeah, I don't know what you would call it. Anyway, <clears throat> Haro makes it. Uh-huh. Uh, which this might be my value added, maybe. But it's it is an amazing. Uh, it's just an amazing piece of art. <laughs> it's like probably one of my favorite pieces of art, and I use it every single morning. It's really funny. It's like, and I've broken it before and got really it's angry. It's called a glass server. I'm looking at it right now. <clears throat> and had Hario V60 glass server. Yeah, and and it's like I've broken it before. I'm, like really bummed out i'm like man i really love using that thing yeah um anyway see i I like that when you just said i love using it i love the experience of that as opposed to loving the thing right yeah and and because for you it's not about the particular item like i have this glass here in front of me that i'm holding up it's like oh i love this thing and if it breaks my my heart is broken you love the experience of using it so if it breaks you're like i can't have that experience right right yeah so it's, it's much more about the experience that that creates and it also creates an aesthetic beauty i agree with you that 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 um uh, the the glass server is it's it is to me that's a piece of it's art. Gorgeous. Yeah. All right. So my pithy answer for Rachel is this: I buy art if three things happen. Mariah. Oh, well, hold on. So I'm going to list them out here. One, Mariah and I love it. Two, Mariah and I have room for it. Three, we don't have to go into debt to buy it. So uh, Mariah and I right now we've definitely got room for a couple more art pieces. We don't go out seeking it. Um, we uh, we had a one gifted to us um, for Christmas, a piece of art, which is beautiful, and I'm happy to to put it up. Um, if we're out and about and we see another piece of art, like, we totally have the room for it. If we can afford it, we'd get it. Yeah. But um, I don't feel incomplete without without that piece of my wall without art on it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think when you say afford it, also, you're like, hey, is this the best use of this money? So if this <laughs> sure. if this object costs $100, is, for me, is this the best use of that $100 for yeah, me? Yeah, well, I think the problem, too, is people will, it's, they will go into debt. They'll put something on their credit card right. for something that they really, really love. And, you know, I would I would challenge people out there who are doing that. If you are in debt, even if you really love something, you can't afford it. And yeah. if you can't afford it, you shouldn't buy it. And that's that's how I try to how I try to live my life. If I, if I were to append your answer, actually, I append. If I were to amend it, mm-hmm. um, it, you said number one, Ryan or Mariah and I, I love it. Uh, maybe what I would say is find joy in it, right? Because it's going back to the loving situation. Loving yeah, things. I'm not going to get caught up in the semantics, man. I mean, I understand well, what you're it's saying. It's but not about semantics. <clears throat> it, it, it's it, for me. It's it. There, there is a true meaning behind that word, and I, we, we've we've overused it to say I love tacos, and I say it all the time. I was telling Sean this yesterday. There's a great taco place right down the street. I love yeah. those tacos, and I'm like. Why the hell did I just say that? But but the thing is, is that there is a the the denotation, which is what you're talking about right now, right? The meaning of love, but 
centuries of using this word has a there are so many different connotations with the word love agreed and, and i'm trying to, i'm trying to take it back um uh, the same oh way, he's going old school <laughs> well the, the, uh, the same way <laughs> he's gonna bring out that agape love <laughs> no it, 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 it well yeah it's like the same way that that the end you would have you know 15 or 20 words for different types of snow right we it feels like we need multiple words for love and right. that's why i say joy it is it, it I don't want to make up words or I don't want to turn words like spark into a verb mm -hmm. um, like certain people do. Shots fired. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, although I now I see Starbucks using that as well, like gifts that spark joy. Um, no, spark is not a verb. Um, it is a noun. And uh, yes, the language can change over time. And it has with the word love. And I, I want to take that back the same way that uh, Sam Harris is trying to take back the word spirituality i wouldn't use the word spirituality personally I, w I would use the word numinous um but but he he's you know trying to say well it mean it can mean something else and for me love i, I would rather love people and use things Absolutely. right and, and and one way that you use things is to get joy from them i, I think they augment or magnify or amplify our experience of life and i think that's ultimately what you're talking about is 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 this object this art that you purchase it is going to, it is going to augment your experience of, of living in your home. Yeah, I am happy to uh, support you in taking back the word love, Josh. <laughs> Give it to me. And <laughs> <In, in laughs> Harding, you edit that pithy answer however you want, man. All right, y'all. Um, what do we see? Oh yeah, it's time for added value portion of the show. This is where we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. Ryan, what do you got? Have you heard of Pornhub? <laughs> <laughs> you mean PH? <laughs> Bex is out of town this week. <laughs> uh, no, um, uh, there's a book called uh, Sapiens. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of it. Everyone oh, has has heard of it. That's oh, that's so funny because this loosely ties in with what I'm recommending. But keep going. Okay, cool. Very, very uh, loosely. Yeah, yeah. So Yuval Harari wrote wrote two books. Uh, uh, the the first one of the two that I, that I've read is called Sapiens. Here's the thing. I I read it. I, on the Kindle version, uh, sometime last year, but I went back and 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 just listened to the whole audiobook, and it's like 15 hours. I listened to it uh, in in January of this year. The audiobook was way better uh, for whatever reason. It, it had me it had me pausing and like taking notes about consumerism and and, and going back to the different types of humans because obviously Homo sapiens aren't the only humans. We had Neanderthals, which I'm more Neanderthal than 92% of the population, I believe. Um, uh, but also <laughs> Homo erectus, and, and there were several other human species, and sapiens are the ones who ended up uh, living uh, living beyond all of their other ancestors. And so it talks about, in fact, I think the subtitle of it is A Brief History of Humankind. And it is a phenomenal book, but especially the audiobook. Sean, if you can put a link to the audiobook in the show notes, um, I encourage people to check it out. It's... Uh, it's like I feel like all the books I read in history class, and I liked history class for the most part. Like I just needed to read this book mm. if I really wanted to get interested in history. Yeah, it is so good. And and, and then his uh, his new one is called Homo Deus. It's like a, a brief. It's a brief history of tomorrow. It's like uh, <laughs> uh, the yeah human human future, sort so to speak. That's pretty cool. Yeah. No. So um, this book, Sapiens, uh, Mariah's dad recommended it to me mm -hmm. her mom is reading it right now um but yeah he was just going on and on about it how you were i haven't 
read or listened to it yet. I need, I need to check it out. It's so but good. The reason why it's tied in is because the person who gave us a painting, it was Mariah's dad. Oh. So uh, johnschneeberger.com, uh-huh. um, other people can go and check out his paintings. So I would totally recommend uh, his website. He he does pastel drawings. So what he does is he goes around Montana and he takes different pictures and then he does a pastel. So he, he'll, t- he'll photograph, you know, so the bitterroot mountains and then he'll go to his his studio and and then do a pastel drawing yeah and he is he's so freaking talented so yeah it's uh and he's not like you know he's not like this crazy um it is gonna be fifteen hundred dollars for one of my drawings like it's it's beautiful montana mountain scenery and it's 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 really affordable artwork and it's it's awesome sean if you can put a link to that in the show notes Good luck spelling Schneeberger. <laughs> I'll send you the link, Sean. I, I always struggle with uh, with Schneeberger well, when I'm booking plane tickets for Mariah. I'm like, <laughs> and and her her last name is like hyphenated as well because she has her, both of her parents. I last know. Name. I always joke like when Mariah and I have kids, we should hyphenate it again. Yeah, I totally. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> like, man. who's gonna be the generation of 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 uh, a family that that ruins the the hyphenation of the names? I, I think if you have a son, you should name him Pizza Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> way, pizza pizza nicodemus no it'd be pizza pizza coom schneeberger nicodemus <laughs> <laughs> that's the best author name uh, ever. i i will certainly um <clears throat> i'll put that into the consideration hat. Yeah, just put it in the file <laughs> put it in the consideration file <laughs> hey um sean also put the uh oh, i'll find a link for the haro the glass thing hario hario yeah what uh, is it called a glass serving container it's just called glass server okay cool all right, it's uh, time for Right Here, Right Now. So we talk about what is going on in the lives of the minimalists. We are headed to Australia. Holy moly. We have seven cities. We're headed to Perth. That one is almost sold out. Adelaide, I think there's fewer than 50 tickets in Adelaide. So that one's uh, almost sold out. Brisbane, fewer than 50 tickets left in Brisbane. Sydney, there's fewer than 200 tickets left in Sydney. And that's a huge venue. It's almost 2,000 people there. So Sydney, get your tickets while you can. Melbourne, we uh, that one's sold out, but we added a second show. And that one's about halfway sold out in Melbourne. So uh, if you're in Melbourne, you want tickets to the second show, you can still get that. And then Auckland, we're going to be in New Zealand as well. So Auckland, New Zealand, we have one stop in New Zealand. Come out and see us in March. All the details are at theminimalists.com slash tour. Also, if you want the show notes we keep talking about throughout these episodes, we email them to all of our readers and listeners. Uh, you can just go over to our, our website, enter your email address uh, right there at the top. And we'll send you any any of the show notes, any new episode that we send out. Also, any new essays that we write. Uh, I've been working two months on this advertisements essay. I've never spent this much time writing one essay, <laughs> doing a bunch of research. It's really long. I'm just trying to pair it. I'm trying to get it below 10,000 words right now. Wow. Um, uh, hopefully, it'll be below 5,000 words. I'm cutting a whole lot of stuff out of it, but I sort of had to build the mountain in order to to carve away at it, mm. uh, build the, the rock to carve away at it. Uh, but if you want the show notes, just enter your email address there. We'll never, ever send you spam because that's gross. We won't ever 
uh, send you stuff you don't want. Just new essays and, and new podcast show notes for every episode we put out there. We have a video podcast uh, version uh, of this podcast coming really soon over at youtube.com slash The Minimalist. So you can subscribe to our YouTube channel over there if you're interested in the video version. We're going to do that as soon as we get enough Patreon supporters to, to get the video equipment up and running here in Los Angeles. And if you do want to support us on Patreon, you just head on over to theminimalists.com, click donate at the top. Uh, each week, Ryan and I do a Patreon bonus episode. We call it The Minimalist's Private Podcast. Now, I know what you're saying. Man, Josh and Ryan, I don't want to have to log on to the internet to listen to a separate podcast episode. I want to listen to it right here on my phone, and I don't have to download all these other things. No, you don't have to do any of that. Our bonus podcast episode every week shows up right there in your whatever podcast app you're listening to right now. Say you're on Apple Podcasts or Overcast or Feedly or Google Play or whatever. All you need is our private podcast link. In order to get that, you become a Patreon supporter. Each week we do an overtime episode. Although I think I'm about changing the name on that. Instead of overtime, what, do you th- what if we called it Postscript? Or do you like overtime better? <clears throat> think I about am, that. I am ambivalent. What do you think, podcast, Sean? Postscript? Can I get a hand or or overtime? He's like, giving me the fifty fifty I like, face. I like if I had to choose, I'd choose overtime. But you're you're <laughs> you're the you're the you're the guy with the good words, though, Milburn. Yeah, well, Bill Maher does an overtime thing. I was just trying to make, see if we could do something original. And I just so, want to know: Do you actually, when you go to the internet, do you log on to it every single time? <laughs> 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 because if you do, Josh, I've got news for you. <laughs> I mean, I have to dial up. <laughs> Imagine an internet where you don't have to log on. <laughs> I, I mean, so here's the thing: like there are other there are other podcasts out there, I'm messing uh, with like you, on man. Slate, where you like if you want if you want their <laughs> Ganesh Niche Ganesh Niche, um, <laughs> He just sneezed, and Ella says Ganesh Niche instead of Gazuntite. Uh and so we, we've just adopted we that. Just keep it going. Yeah, and so. Um, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to do a postscript episode. Uh, we're going to answer a question here. We had a, a postscript question, overtime question. We'll figure out what to what to call it here. Janelle asks, what do you do with decorative items you want to get rid of, but no one else wants? As a kid, my family traveled a lot, and I collected hundreds of junk items from all over the places that we visited. I don't want these items anymore, but neither would anyone else. So we'll, we'll have an answer for that. During our overtime slash postscript episode, we'll figure out what to call that over on Patreon. Also, last week we just uh, put out on Patreon our live Philadelphia event. So if you want to hear our event that we did in Philadelphia live in front of a sold-out crowd there. And then we also just put up the Detroit and Tampa live episodes only for our Patreon supporters. You can go back and listen to dozens of private podcast episodes. So if you've gotten your your fix of The Minimalist and you want some shorter bite-sized episodes, we've got a bunch of those. And we also do a, a monthly live stream for our Patreon supporters. We call it Ask The Minimalist Anything, where you can ask us anything. It's usually just people asking Ryan about his boxers or briefs. <laughs> All right. So uh, what else do we have going on here? Nothing, Ryan. man. I'll Post- tell you what I do have for you. Are Wait, some voicemail what? comments and tips from our listeners. Hi, this is Cecilia from Geneva, Ohio, and the new leader for the Cleveland Minimalist Meetup Group. I would like to pass along a different way to think about the love language of receiving gifts. To be clear, receiving gifts is not one of my love languages. However, acts of service and quality time are. I enjoy showing the people I love my appreciation for them as humans by randomly gifting them with an experience or a consumable. 
For instance, I will bring my staff a gift card for a restaurant or a gas card out of the blue and thank them for their loyal service to me. Another example, I frequently randomly gift my daughter. I am using the upcoming Chinese New Year as an inspiration for gifting her, to show her that I love and appreciate her. In Chinese tradition, gifts of sweets, fruits, and money, and even denominations for good luck are given. So I homemade some Chinese almond cookies that she loves, bought some oranges, and will give, give her a $2 bill so her next cup of coffee will be on me. My daughter astutely analyzed my gifting practices and concluded that my gifting of consumables and experiences to people is really me manifesting outwardly a combination of my two love languages, acts of service and quality time. She thinks I look at gifting as a service to that receiver, and it is often a way that I can spend quality time with that person. Hi, this is Tara from Seattle, and I was just calling you um, in reference to Molly in episode um 118 when she was talking about her trophies uh one cool thing that i did was i took all the little nameplates off and i kept them all like in a scrapbook um, you could do that or you could even put them in a shadow box with your medals or just set them up and take a really cool picture and then keep that otherwise chuck the trophies and uh you know just enjoy the memories but let them go Hi, this is Molly from Salt Lake City. I'm calling with a tip regarding managing the collecting impulse. One strategy I have used is to make friends with people who share the same hobby or collection and do regular exchanges with them. So you get the thrill of having a new item, but then when the thrill wears off, you just return it to the other owner and you can get another new item when you get it back. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists, give us a call, 406-219-7839. You can also email voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works, Ryan. <laughs> Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time, Joshua. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for and you gotta grab. Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it. So tear your eyes away, or tear.